Good day to all our listeners from wherever you are tuned in. Welcome to our special podcast featuring Erika Tablange and her debut adventure and life biography, Run for the Love of Life. I am Simone Eberson of the Kalaharia Gravis Extreme Marathon, the multi-day foot race where Erika won the ladies race twice and took second position in 2019. Now, Erika is most probably well known to many of our listeners, but to those of you that are not familiar with this remarkable woman yet, Erika was an adventure racer and is a multiple winner of some of the most extreme ultra-running multi-stage marathons in the world. Among the sports and international racing and trail running fraternity, she is well known for her toughness, her competitiveness and her soulful camaraderie. With a passion for nature, she has lived a life of adventure that includes many outdoor expeditions, but she also has had an exciting and successful career, partly in the belly of London's financial industry. And as an entrepreneur, she has found change initiatives, Teach a Girl to Fish and Thrive Guru. Now that, just in a nutshell, Erika, welcome. Wow. Well, Simone, I have to say that's a, a wonderful and warm welcome and thank you so very much for that um, and for your generosity also and the work that you've done in preparing for this. Um, you know, I, I'm so glad that you and I have a chance to sit uh, together again, uh, proverbially speaking, you know, from the desert where we ran together to the chat room. So thank you for this opportunity and also thank you to KM, uh, the Kalahari Extreme Marathon, uh, for sponsoring this podcast. And I don't know if our listeners know this, welcome to all our listeners, but uh, KM is the second oldest uh, seven-day ultramarathon in the world um, uh, after the Marathon de Saab. So really keeping company with the greats. Thank you very much for this opportunity. And and I really hope that our listeners will get something uh, from this podcast. Um, and also, of course, from the book uh, that is being published in uh, November. So we're all very excited. Now, the reason for our conversation today is to introduce you, our listeners, to Erica's memoir with a beautiful title, Run for the Love of Life. Erica is an extraordinary writer. She has penned down a life story in a beautiful poetic style. It's really a lovely read. She captured her running and life adventures and colored the trails with invaluable insights. But before we step onto the talk and hear from Erica, I want to say that I have read numerous motivational books in my life, and then I had the privilege to read Run. And never before have I come across an author that has shared his or her life experiences in such a real and authentic way, with so much soul and sincerity. Run is definitely one of those rare novels that will connect with anyone. Everyone will find something in Run. It's not only a story about running or adventure, but a story about life itself. In Run, you'll find times of euphoria, but also suffering. Fear, joy, but also sadness. The struggles of life, but also ultimate fulfillment. Erika, congratulations. Run is extraordinary, and it's your first novel. Sure. 
for a first time writer, you can only imagine what those words make me feel like. Resumene, <laughs> like, um, it, it is my first novel, but I, I have been writing since I can remember. Um, you know, when I was very small, I had a, my first journal, one of those little things that you could still lock with a, with a padlock and a oh, yeah. key. I don't know if you remember those little journals. Yeah, yeah. So I, I must say I write I'm I'm compelled to write. I can't live my life any other way. And when I was about 13 years old, a teacher of mine uh, said, an Afrikaans teacher, Mr. Hutton, he said, Erica, um, writers are the conscience of the nation. And I still remember in my body, in class, in that moment, feeling almost like a wave of something coming through me. And, and I knew on that day that one day, I would uh, use writing to to have positive ripple effects in the world and to make a difference. Um, and wow, so, yeah, yeah, so I think Run has been 50 years in the making. And um, yes, it's my first novel, but certainly not my last. Mm, for sure not. How did Run come about? And what was in your heart when you started with Run? So, Simone, I lived in London for many years. And um, after coming back to South Africa, um, started my own business. And there was a period where business was quite slow and I had two choices. I could become depressed and worried or I could say that those few months that were given me was actually a gift from the universe to to step into that space and to use the time to write the book that was was urging me to be written for for years. So, um, yes. and, and, you know, like I said before, there were so many wisdoms that I have had the privilege to learn in mm -hmm. extreme endurance sport and some of the most harsh landscapes in the world. Um, you know, at the edge of endurance where few people get an opportunity to go. Um, mm -hmm. And alongside that, with all the studying I had the privilege to do and doing a master's degree also in the new sciences of flourishing, you know, there was mm -hmm. just so much to share that it would almost have been a sin if I didn't, I mean, it's called run for the love of life, but it's certainly not just for runners. Um, I know runners will enjoy it tremendously because there's lots of adventure tales of uh, extreme running in the book. But I really wrote the book um, for, for anybody who feels a little bit stuck, you know, and mm -hmm. people who have maybe lost their mojo and motivation. And especially now after COVID, I think a lot of people are struggling <clears throat> to get back to life, to get back to their training, um, mm -hmm. you know, to get back to to their own personal inspiration and motivation. So um, yes. when I wrote Run, I had in the back of my mind sharing with people all the things that I'd learned th from 20 years of endurance sport um, and studying psychology and positive psychology and coaching and so forth. And to share all those things as best as I could to help inspire people, you know, to get out of whatever they stuck in, and um, yeah. also for people who are suffering from depression, I think, I think Run would be a really uplifting read. And, Absolutely. You know, and it's been, and you read it, you know, so you know that the the, the book. Um, warms people's blood a little bit and makes you yeah, remember yeah, yeah, your own sure. dreams and your and your own hopes and you remember what it felt like when you were fit or when you were doing xyz 
And yes. I think run will help a lot of people to just take the first step um, back to their best selves and their best lives. Erika, you've done numerous international multi-stage or multi-day endurance events, as you say, too many to count, and mostly in extreme hostile and harsh conditions. And run covers about a dozen of them. So to our listeners, um, you guys can get run and read about each race and its own intricate story, which is just absolutely wonderful. I really revel in some of those stories. But what I want to highlight today is a couple of uh, those running gems almost, um, as we say, those insights, the invaluable discoveries that you've made through running and especially long distance running. For one, I, I want to read a line from chapter two in on page 49. Endurance running offers a path to the edge, a way to get to a place that one recognizes as the end, only to find that one is able to go beyond. What is this beyond? Yeah, perhaps that's one of the biggest insights that you get at the edge of endurance. And and Simone, I think you being a distance runner, and if you ask any distance runner, they will tell you the secret. If you run five kilometers, you get tired at four. If you run 10 kilometers, you get tired at eight. If you run a marathon, you start feeling fatigued at 35 kilometers. So you know, and true. if you run 100 kilometers, you begin to really feel it from 60, 65 onwards. And if you're running 200 kilometers, you feel it at 180 kilometers. And it's that sense of when you get to the edge of where you have physically been and to a place where you actually think you cannot take another step. And I always say to yeah. people, if you do the right things, you, you've taken in your nutrition and your salts and enough water and you've managed the right pace, that you get to that place where you think you cannot go any further and somehow you do because there's this unlimited, limitless reservoir of energy wow. um, that opens up at this place um, that enables you to go further than you possibly ever expected. And I mean, I remember when this happened to me at um, running London to Brighton. It's a mm -hmm. hundred kilometer from place. And I remember at 80 kilometers shaking my head to myself thinking, it is not possible to feel this way at this distance. And yet... Mm -hmm. I could go another 20 kilometers. And when I ran the Mizuno Ultra, it's a 24-hour race, I got to 200 kilometers and I had basically won the race by 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 many miles um, uh, compared to the next woman. There was one guy ahead of me, but there was a little bit of time left before the 24-hour bell struck. I didn't need to do it, but I, I still remember that feeling and the marvel at, oh, wow. oh my God. I can actually keep on running. I don't have to stop now. And yeah. um, I did another lap. And, you know, the most profound thing for me about this um, unlimited potential is I know this for a fact that it is got, it's nothing to do with me personally. I have the deepest belief, and I know this to be true, that we all have it, um, this mm -hmm. unlimited potential, and that we, if we allow ourselves to push the boundaries um, of what we believe is possible, we find, oh my gosh, I can do more than I thought. And then again, oh my gosh, I can do more than I thought. Yeah, and so it yeah. continues, you know? Yeah, and it's actually something one can pull through to life, you know? Um, 
While sharing your story about the famous UK challenge in chapter four, um, the Dorking Nutter, also known as the Winter Tough Nut in 2013, where you were actually the first lady to ever finish the race, um, you mentioned that it was there that you fully comprehend the power of commitment, that your will is stronger than your fear of pain. This is huge. <laughs> There's a lot to be said about that commitment. You know, the, the word is really... It, it is in the commitment, but there's easy commitment and then there's hard commitment. And I mm -hmm. would say that, um, Simone, the secret is really that as long as your heart is in something, the path is so much easier. You know, the Dorking Nutters, um, that year when I won it, it and, and, was the, and, and where I was the first lady to ever finish the race, it was probably minus four degrees Celsius. Oh, wow. And at one point I had to put safety blankets, emergency blankets, shards of emergency blankets that I put, uh, picked up along the course around my organs and my head to make sure I didn't get hypothermia. But sure. I really, really wanted to finish that race. My heart mm -hmm. was in it. I, my commitment was in it. And it really makes me think of the quote by Carlos Castaneda. He says, choose a path with heart. Um, yes. He says, every path leads nowhere, but a path with heart will make for a joyful journey. And one that doesn't have heart will make a misery of your life. <laughs> and, you know, I, so true. I, completely. And you know this uh, for yourself. When you line up at a 250-kilometer desert race over seven days and your heart is not in that race, it is possibly better to not start at all mm -hmm. because I would – uh, contend that you can arrive there with a broken body, with injuries, with um, what, whatever ailment. But if your heart is in the race, you will most likely finish it and do better than what you thought. Um, yeah, you know, that was the case with the talking nutter. I wanted to finish it. And all I can say for our, to our listeners is uh, to choose a path with heart um, because yes. it will make a blessing of your life. Um, and it will certainly... Um, I hope you're running as well. Yes, yes, no, absolutely. And it brings me actually to another um, concept. You also draw um, parallels through all the time throughout run. It's that intimate connection of running with inner happiness um, and running and personal growth. Um, you also touch on the importance in that sense of inner communication before and during races. It makes me think of, of um, the inner game of golf or the inner game of tennis, as we say. It's almost as if, yes, this is, there's an inner game for running as well. Completely. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, running is, oh, running is an honest sport, right? What is in your mind will eventually spill out in your feet and in your legs. And mm. Simone, I know this from experience from so many races, that if your mind is in a downward spiral, your legs feel like lead. I mean, mm -hmm. it feels like you are dragging a carcass around the race. <laughs> and yeah. um, in races, I am really aware of where my mind is most of the time because if your mind is in a downward spiral, it will definitely affect your performance um, mm -hmm. and the quality of the experience that you are having. So whenever I notice Absolutely. that there are negative thoughts or, you know, I'm... I'm being down on myself or I'm thinking about worries back at home or with work or I literally do the work 
I forget about everything else. I forget about the other competitors and I focus in on my mind and I shift my mind state immediately by thinking about, you know, something I'm grateful for or somebody I love or something about the race that I really like or something I'm looking forward to. Mm -hmm. Anything, whatever it takes to just shift that mindset at will to get into a, a upward spiral. You know, because mm-hmm. with this upward spiral of positive emotion, uh, higher performance and better performance follows. And when you when you lift your brow, so to speak, and you yes. begin to think bright thoughts, you know, it's mm-hmm. Peter Pan. I mean, Peter Pan mm-hmm. knew this all along. You literally feel <laughs> your yeah. legs, the, the lead dropping out of them, your body straightens out, suddenly the light and the sun has come on. And you, you're a different runner. Yeah, it's almost like it's happiness running there. So it's happiness running, and I and I just want to say that happiness is a choice, right? Yes. So happiness is a choice. It's a mindset. It's a muscle, and running is this extraordinary opportunity to practice this muscle over and over again. So this discipline of the mind. Um, to get yourself into positive states. And I'm not saying ignoring the negative states. I mean, if you have ITB or a sugar low, don't try and run through it. Notice that you are having a slump and do the necessary to address the source of the negative emotions. Negative emotions are hugely beneficial. They are messengers. But listen to the message, respond to it, do what's needed and get them out of your head. And then get into... You know, and, and these positive mindsets that we practice in running spills through into our work. It spills through into the human being uh, that we become. Um, so it's much more than just running. It's a, it's a practice of discipline. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I just want to say finally, you know, what I do know is that the mind follows absolutely faithfully where the body leads. So uh, look after the quality of your mind and your thoughts as diligently as you look after your body's output. Absolutely, yeah, the two guys together, it's true. Another thing that comes through Run and the stories you share is your passion for nature, Erica. This was one of the first thoughts that actually came to mind when I met you, how much in tune you are with nature. And I recall the beautiful tale in Run about the place spot in the Namib that you fell in love with. Now, our listeners can read the story. It's just, it's an amazing story. But in Run, you talk about the importance of getting back to nature. Oh, that was one of the most beautiful moments of my life, I would actually say. I got goosebumps when reading it. (laughs) You know, and Simone, I think you get goosebumps because you've had similar experiences of connecting with that beautiful extraordinary um, presence of nature. I know you know it because, um, you know, because when we hear about uh, tales when people connect with nature, it awakens in us a, a longing to get reconnected with nature because I think as in modern civilization, we've become very disconnected from nature and the way that we live. And yeah. I mean, especially the kids. Um, there's an author by the name of uh, Richard Love, and he wrote a book called Last Child in the Woods. And he makes a very clear case for the rapidly rising rates of depression, obesity, ADHD in our children. 
and the degree to which our kids are disconnected from nature. So, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but the statistics show that in modern middle-class urban society, uh, your child is eight times more likely to sit on a computer screen, TV screen, some screen of some sort, than to spend time outdoors playing. Eight times more likely. I, I think we have an, an... Richard Love calls it nature deficit disorder. We are on, back to the story with the blessed book. You know, so when we go and run these long-distance races or um, go and run trail or go and get into the mountains, it's this deep longing to reconnect with nature. And in, in the Namib, um, there was a moment I was completely alone for miles and miles with just um, the red dunes around me. And I remember in a thicket of uh, camel thorn trees, there was a blessed book and they've got this white, dazzling uh, marker on its face, mm. almost like a mask. And this blessed book bull looked up at me and he was about 100 meters away from me in parallel. And then he started trotting alongside me. Mm-hmm. And then he would sort of get a little bit ahead and then he would stop and wait for me to catch up. And then look at me again and then start trotting alongside me again. And Simone, this carried on for about 10 minutes. It was just the most extraordinary experience. And then sort of after we had spent our time together, he nodded towards me and then um, took a turn to the to the right and just disappeared off into the dunes, you know. Yeah, I... I, I it's did. so amazing. Mm, it was really such a privilege to belong to, to really feel that deep sense of belonging in the scheme of things, sort of in the right way, if you, if you understand yes, what I mean. Yes, yes, That brings so mm-hmm. much soul fulfillment at that moment, you know. And, and I just want to say for our listeners, if there's two things I want to communicate with Ron, just two, it is to get out into nature and to do it regularly. Yeah. And the other is to move, obviously, but we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> Now, these are just a few of the valuable insights that we can find in RUN. There's so many more that I would have liked us to talk about. For example, how running has brought clarity and simplicity in Erika's life, and how running brings an energy that spills over into the rest of her life, and for that matter, how it can do the same for us. And all these insights she brings to us through her incredible storytelling. It's so rich and so moving. But Erika, in between the running tales, you also have a couple of chapters dedicated to your life experiences. Happy moments, but also sad times. Chapter 8, you've titled beautifully, Over Time, the Grit in the Shell Becomes the Pole. Tell us a bit about run, covering more than just your running experiences. Mm. So when I when I wrote the book, I thought at the beginning I was just going to tell some running stories and um, entertain people with some great adventures mm-hmm. in some exotic locations. And, but then as I wrote the book, I realized that there were so many things that um, were so human about my life story and so perhaps commonplace, um, things mm-hmm. that, that many people struggle with. And, you know, I mean, there's so many ways of suffering, uh, losing someone you love dearly to death or, you know, or when a relationship or a marriage ends, guilty or, you know, that's the nature of life. S- struggle is the nature of life. And 
I thought rather than writing some fairly superficial um, story about adventures, that I would um, tell of my struggles, uh, losing my father um, at one point, um, getting divorced, uh, because I wanted to be alongside my re- readers and walk with them, you know, in kinship on this journey, uh, on the journey of life, and not be some super athlete on some far-flung pedestal. Exactly. I mean, there's, there's enough of that in the world. I wanted to really share my, my life story. Um, so I spoke about all, all the things that happened candid, quite candidly. One really walks the walk with you in the book, Erika, and is the inclusion of those personal stories that really touches one's soul. I want to thank you for that. It is my deepest belief that the choice of how we respond to these challenges is up to us. That if we choose to rise above what happens to us, you know, if we if we use it as an opportunity, like I said before, like that golden atrium, that doorway, to embrace this unbelievable challenge that is that is on our on our doorstep, mm-hmm. as a way to grow stronger and more resilient, you know, it, and 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 if we use challenge, and even if the worst things comes our way, that we can come out the other side in some way better wiser, stronger, you know, kinder. Um, and if we use these troubles and travails, you know, my friend, what can really stop us if, if we are able to, to take this perspective of life? Um, and I mean, if we understand the inevitability of struggle, I think it is possibly the, the greatest thing one could do is to learn the skill of using adversity uh, to grow. And 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 that's why I, I shared it with my readers, um, something very bad that happened in my childhood, mm-hmm. so that people can take courage from it and know that, that we don't have to be broken by what happens to us, but, you know, that's that right. we can exactly. actually eventually yeah. Yeah. thrive, no matter that's what right. happens. Yeah, that we can thrive, not despite it, but but because of it. Ultimately, Run is also a story about finding love. We all know that in some ways love is simple, but it's hardly ever just easy. And I want to quote from your chapter 16. The easy path is not always the most rewarding one. Sometimes heartbreak can be the greatest gift because it offers an unparalleled pathway to awakening and profound personal growth. And love doesn't die. We don't stop loving someone. It just changes shape as life carries us off on the river of time. So you know what the Dalai Lama would say about this? A warm-heartedness, love. So a stance of love, um, a big open-hearted warmth towards the world is the most powerful stance that you can take and that the lowest form of existence or mm-hmm. the lowest energy is to stand in anger. Um, so it's really interesting you know, one of the central messages for me um, in Run, Simone, and, and that's probably really why I shared so openly about my relationships and what I've learned, um, the journey that I've walked, um, again, to, to really connect with my readers around this because, yes. you know, who has not had mm-hmm. a love story, who would not be moved by yeah. by, by the stories of love um, that we've all lived? You know? um, and that's why I included it in the book. And also because I think 
loving and achieving love and having loving relationships is is the highest accomplishment of a human life. Talking about relationships and also just a little bit back to running, if there's one thing that multi-stage endurance running does, it brings together and unite people from all over the world. And I think this is one of the most beautiful things, the friendships that one makes. Yeah, I mean, you've been there. You've been there sitting under a canvas tent mm-hmm. after you've run 50 kilometers and it's 50 degrees Celsius or 45 mm-hmm. degrees Celsius outside outside the tent. Yeah. Perhaps it's 48 <laughs> under the canvas. <laughs> and, and we're sitting together all day long after we've sweated and struggled together. There's not a shred of makeup anywhere. There's not a shred of um, status. It's very, very hard to keep a facade and, and a falseness about one um, after yeah, running sure. for three, four, five days in the desert. Um, and, and there's a profound connection that happens when people authentically, mm-hmm. almost on mm. a soul level, get together, where there's no status. It doesn't matter if back at home you're a CEO or whether you, you sweep the factory floors. It doesn't matter. Your culture, your background, your ethnicity, your education, nothing really matters because we connect there mm-hmm. on such a soul level. There's so much more yes, that yes, yes. Uh, connect us and that bring exactly. us to each other mm-hmm. than what separates no. us. Running is a fantastic equalizer, you know. You wrote in chapter 13, in the end, it is not really about running. It is about who we become and how we show up in our lives and ultimately how we grow. And I want with this line to touch on your Thrive Run Club that you've established. Tell us a bit about that. Oh, thank you very much. Yes. So, you know, we've spoken about running as a, as a fantastic, it's not just putting one step in front of the other. Running is something that um, can be such an extraordinary Mm-hmm. scaffolding wow, on which yeah. you can climb to your best self. So we've got a little run club here in Seapoint, but we live in Seapoint, it's small. And with run, what I'm really hoping to do is that um, we are able to help people wherever they read uh, Run for the Love of Life to join Thrive Run Club, mm-hmm. to download the resources on the Facebook page, and to sign up for the couch to 3K or the couch to 5K or the couch to 10K program. And to take the people around them or people who need to get back to moving in their life or people who have health conditions who desperately need to start um, exercising, I am hoping that we will begin to invite people to take the first step um, to their best life. And, you know, community is extraordinary. With our little Thrive Run Club here in Seapoint, we run three times a week. Three times a week we show up at 7.30 in the morning and we mm-hmm. make sure that we keep each other committed. Um, we help each other to show up because if you have a community around you, Absolutely. what is hard actually becomes easier. You know, the, the proverb says, if you want to go fast, go alone. Yeah. If you want to go far, go together. So Thrive Run Club, um, we've started a Facebook page and we are inviting people to please come yes. join the, the page. 
come and share your photographs because what you do not realize is that every time you post about your victory over yourself that you've shown up again on this Tuesday morning and you oh, post yes. a picture, oh, yes. you ignite somebody else yes. to take up yes. the, the baton. I mean, since I've written Run, I've asked numerous people to review it, um, obviously, um, as we're coming closer to the publication date. Um, and one of my friends, have she's never run before. She lives in London and she signed up for the mm -hmm. NHS Couch to 5K program. Her best friend is describes herself as an anti-runner. She hates everything <laughs> running. She hates runners. She doesn't want to run ever. She was so inspired mm. by her salsa yeah. dancing friend who took to running that she signed up for the program. Another friend of theirs became so incredulous that the two of them had started this. Couldn't help it. Yes, and yes. she signed up. So that's what I'm hoping for. I actually want to read a um, beautiful testimony that Alan Hardiker, it's a great guy that I also know through um, Galaria Hrabis, um, has written for Thrive Club. He says, um, I have struggled for many years to get back to running after a heart attack and being diagnosed with diabetes until I met Erica. She is able to break the art of running into simple lessons that had an immediate and massive impact on my running performance. Thrive Run Club made me fall in love with the sport again, inspired me and encouraged me more than you can ever imagine. This is just such a great testimony. And um, Thrive Run Club is, is open to, to people from all over sure. the world, um, although you are based in, in Cape Town. Absolutely. And obviously, as things have gone digital and, and global, mm -hmm. you know, if you join the Facebook community, whether you're in Singapore or in Namibia or um, in Kathmandu or in Cape Town, it doesn't matter because we're yes. all part of the same Run Club family. Um, and, you know, it's it's very true what Alan says. One could struggle running, but there are ways to turn yes. the struggle yes. into joy if you do it right. You know, I call them the commandments of running, the five commandments of running. And at the back of the book, there's a QR code where my readers will be able mm -hmm. to download the commandments of running because there are a few simple things that most people yes. do wrong when they run. And it's that which makes running hard. Yes, and there yes, are ways yes. to make running easy. Yeah, so Thrive Run Club is not just about the community. It's also about the resources that helps you to make it easy, to have a consistent lifelong running practice that you love. Your passion is just infectious. And um, Run specifically is a book our readers can buy. It invites you to get up, to get moving, and to make a difference, whatever that difference is that you're longing for. And, and I can honestly say that it's a moving story. Um, get yourself a copy buy run as a Christmas gift for family and friends. It's a gem. It's a real treasure. And it will be on the shelves from the 1st of November. Yes. So my publisher let me know yesterday that it's okay. actually going to be out on the 4th of November. Um, and uh, readers will be able to get it on Amazon. And if you're in South Africa, uh, on publishing.co.za. Um, or at exclusive books, right. if you want to go and get it off the off the shelf, go and look at the Facebook page, join it, get the people around you moving. That's really what I hope for the most. And Simone, I just want to also 
yeah, so a thank you to your generosity um, of spirit and for the way that you've carried this message forward. I really thank you, my friend. I'm, I'm really moved. Erika, thank you. You are truly an incredible person with a most beautiful, strong heart. And your life story is just amazing. Thank you for sharing your experiences and run for the love of life with us. It's been the greatest pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much, Simone. Thank you very, very much. And I think with the podcast, there will be a link to where you can go to get the book. Thanks to all our listeners. Please share in the conversation and leave us your comments on Erica's um, Instagram page or Facebook page, Run for the Love of Life, and also on Okalahari Krabi's Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you.